Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Game Talk Radio. I'm Greg, you're the listener, you know how this spiel works. Let's get started. Um, no, actually, I'm not I'm not quite ready to start yet. We're going to talk about three different stories today. The first story, we're going to talk about the president of Nintendo of America, Reggie fils is officially retiring. He will be finished in April. We'll talk a little bit about that and talk a little bit about the, uh, you know, what he did and, and kind of how he was and, and the, the role he had with the Nintendo. Then we're going to talk about a Chinese made game, a, a Taiwanese game made actually, and that might come into some interesting, uh, that, that distinction might come up later as we talk about uh, how a Taiwanese made game was removed from Steam, and we're going to talk about why that was, and in, in apparently in regards to insulting Chinese people and, uh, and insulting the Chinese president. And then lastly, we're going to talk about ArenaNet, which is a game development studio uh, in the U.S. here, and they are they're laying off. Uh, final numbers are not out yet, but it looks to be around 25% of their total workforce. So we're gonna talk a little bit about that. Talk a little about what they did, and and talk about the, um, you know, the way that uh, we're gonna talk about the way that uh, that's all being handled, and the impact that might have going forward. Um, but before we begin all that, uh, I want to talk a little bit about this crazy weather, and this uh, just the bonkers way people drive around here. And you'd think after all these years of driving in this kind of weather that, um, you know, that we'd be used to it. Uh, most people aren't apparently, and uh, and there was a huge, huge pileup on Highway 41 near Appleton, Nina, where there was over 100 cars in the accident, 71 people injured, and one person lost their life. And I mean, it was in, the the driving conditions were unbelievable. And I, I was actually up near Anago at 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 my buddy's cabin for the weekend. We came back Sunday afternoon, and we got back onto Highway 29 coming into Green Bay. We were around Pulaski, and yeah, the roads were pretty bad. I mean, I think we were going maybe 25, 30 miles an hour. Uh, you could see there was some blusteriness, but you know how, like, the lane was clear enough where you could see at least, like, the, the place where you could keep your tires so you're out of the snow. Like, it wasn't ideal. <coughs> Excuse me. It wasn't ideal, but it was drivable. And as we were driving, I saw what I thought was a plow up front. And with its lights on, and then there was a, a like a vehicle behind it with its hazards on. And I got up there, I realized it was actually an ambulance and a police car, police SUV. And they parked, and they actually motioned everybody off of the highway. So we had to get off of Highway 29. And I didn't like that one bit. You know, like, to me, the safest place to be in a storm like that, even with blistering winds. I mean, for anybody who's who, who listens to this who's not in Wisconsin, it was probably like, it was gusts of to like 40 miles an hour wind, uh, and it was like a consistent 25, 30 mile an hour wind. And now normally that's not a big deal, except when you've had a lot of snow like we've had recently. And the piles, the snow piles on the side of the road were at about eye level. So now imagine that wind blowing the snow across, causing what essentially looks like a blizzard, even though it's not even technically snowing. It's just the wind pushing the already snow that's already on the ground around. And so we got uh, we got pushed off the highway. And, you know, I looked and, I, and I'm, we're in Pulaski and I actually looked at my wife and I, was, I said, how the hell do I even get back to Green Bay from here if I don't take 29? Like, I just I didn't know. And, and so I, I looked at it and, and I actually made the wrong decision. I went left after getting off the highway when I should have gone right because that would take me, you know, closer to the right direction, taking a couple highways and probably popped on to like 172, 54, somewhere around there and then hit back to Green Bay. And uh, I didn't do that. I turned left <clears throat> and then my GPS was like, oh, here, you know take this, uh, you know, there's like some, the, the access roads for the highway, you know? And I'm like, okay, I, I guess I'm like, I don't really want to do that because if the highway's bad, then these access roads are even worse and it's really bad. And uh, so I go left. My brother was following behind me in his truck and he goes right. Cause he actually lives, uh, closer to Appleton. So he, he would have, that would have been the right way for him to go. And, uh, I didn't find this out till I got home, but about f- two minutes after he turned right, he got into a six car pileup. So basically he was driving and he saw like an accident front. So he slowed down and he got out of the way. He, he dodged it and the person behind him slammed into him and then slammed into everybody else. Um, so there was already an accident. He didn't like call the whole, cause the whole accident, but there was the accident already. And then he got smashed and, and uh, his truck's not too bad, but it's, you know, it's again, people driving too fast. I don't understand like why this is so difficult. And um, so, so anyway, while that's going on, which I don't know, 
you know, we're driving and I'm on these, like, imagine these little farm roads, you know, like they're access roads to the highway, but this is like single lane farm roads. Thankfully they're paved and I'm going, and there was a point, I kid you not, we were on the side road and the wind was gusting so badly that I couldn't even see the end of the front of my car. Like I could see half of my, I couldn't even see, there could have been a person on the side of the road and I would have hit them, you know, uh, because I couldn't even see the front. So I slowed down to like nothing. And there were points where I actually stopped, you know, and I think to myself, well, what do we do? Do we wait it out? And, and, and unfortunately gusting winds isn't something you usually wait out because that's not something that usually goes away for hours. Like sometimes that close to the bay, like the wind gets nuts and it just stays that way for like a day. And so we're like, well, we can't just sit here. What are we gonna do? Plus it's unsafe for me to park on the side of the road. Who knows someone behind me can't see and then they smash into us, right? So you you basically just just go through and, and I'm I'm going like every now and then the wind stops gusting for five seconds. You can see the road, so you go, and then you get to zero visibility again, so you slam on the brakes and then and then you just like you slowly but surely. And then we got to this little town, I don't know what it was, it was a it was a township or something, but they had like a cheese shop, like, hey, stop in and buy some cheese curds or whatever. So we just stopped in the parking lot and I was like, okay, we just gotta chill out here for a second. Cause I was like white knuckling it and I'm like, I need to I need a stress relief, like I need a break. And uh and so then a few other cars though went past us the way we were supposed to go. And I was like, you know, I hate, I hate to be this guy, but I'm okay with following. I just don't want to lead in this mess, you know, not with my car, not with, you know, like, but if it's someone in a, in a bigger vehicle that can get through this stuff, like I'll follow somebody. So I followed the two of them. Uh, and we basically got back onto the highway and we were able to take 29 all the way home to green Bay, which was really clear. Once we got back on 29, it was no problem. It was just those terrible side roads. And then later I found out too that a car had overturned on the highway. And so obviously that wasn't safe. So they had to get people off the highway, but it's like, my goodness, like it was, they, they, and I'm not saying this like in a bad way, obviously. Um, but like they hindered my safety by taking me off the freeway. Like they almost caused me to crash by taking me off the freeway. So fast forward like an, like a half hour, 45 minutes later, I'm home finally. Like I said, I've been white knuckling. I'm just exhausted. The plows plowed me in, of course, so I've got to snow blow my driveway and do a bunch of garbage. And so so I start to do that, and my brother starts texting me, and he goes, be safe out there, everybody. And then he sends a picture of the accident he got in. And, and so I'm like, well, do you need to be picked up? He's like, yeah, we might need a ride. I'm like, okay. I'm like, well, let me know because, like, send me your GPS coordinates because I don't even know if I can get there. Like, if I take the highway back out there, they're going to divert me off the highway back to, to death road that I just got off of. And if I go a different way, that road might be closed. And my brother sent me a video of him waiting in his car for the tow trucks. And it seriously looked like a different planet from Green Bay. Like, like Green Bay was, the sun was out, you know? And so it was cold and windy, but the sun was out. There, it looked like zero visibility, like full-on blizzard, like Antarctica in any movie you've ever seen. You know, straight up like blizzard out of the thing. Um, you know, and, and I'm just like, this is nuts. And I don't know how, I don't know how uh i would have ever made it back and so thankfully he has roadside assistance they sent they got a tow truck out of bonduel to come pull people out of the out of the ditch and everything <clears throat> and it's like well that's great because i don't think i would have made it um my car is just not built for that like i mean it's i, I drive a, a lancer so like i have an all-wheel drive turbo and so it's a rally car you know but it it it's not it's still not meant for snow like this, you know, like not with the tires I have on it, like not saying I couldn't turn it into a, a full fledged winter monster. I'm just saying like I drive it pretty regularly, so I don't have like mega awesome winter tires and stuff like that. But anyway, that was my crazy story. So and we're getting more snow apparently tonight and on Thursday, like inches and inches more. So just hunker down if you're in the area, please be safe and just slow down. Like there was video footage someone released. Uh, I saw it on Facebook last night. And it was, it wasn't the one with the fatality, thankfully, but there was a car accident with like 40, a 40 car pileup somewhere on 41 and they had footage of it. And I mean, the people, how fast the people were going, it was, it was like, it was infuriating to me. Like I, it wasn't even blizzard whiteout conditions either. Like you could see, like the camera could see probably a couple hundred yards. So like these people, and it's, it's almost like the people weren't paying attention and then they saw it and then they tried slamming the brakes and obviously it's icy and so then they just go sliding into each other and it was just so it was infuriating 
to see like people so stupid. Like you have to slow down people. It doesn't matter what you drive. It doesn't matter if you have an all-wheel drive car, an all, a four-wheel drive truck. Like, yes, if a four-wheel drive truck will get you out of the ditch if you slide into it. It's not going to prevent you from sliding into the ditch. I'm sorry. Not with roads like these. Like these were, it had froze, it was freezing rain Saturday night and then it got dusted over by light snow. That's like the most slippery condition imaginable. And um, so anyway, slow it down, people, please. Not for your own safety, but for everyone else's safety and you know, I mean, just slow it down. My God. And like, you know, I was going slow when I came back from the cabin on certain roads because it was a little windy and blustery and there's people like riding my ass and I'm just like getting so irritated. Like, you know, this is so unsafe. Like you're just, you're, you're less than one car length away from me and I'm going on a road that's essentially glare ice. If I have to stop for any reason, that person behind me is going to smash me. I, I just don't get it, you know, and I, I don't get how stupid people are and I'm not. I'm a pretty aggressive driver because I understand what I'm doing, but like there's a time to be aggressive and a time to be smart. And it seems like no one ever knows the difference between the two. <clears throat> but anyway, enough about that. Let's uh, let's get talking about the actual stories today. So first we're going to talk about uh, Reggie leaving Nintendo. So here we go. And first up, the story we're going to talk about today is the president of Nintendo of America, Reggie fils is leaving Nintendo. He's in fact retiring, uh, which is kind of neat actually, because he's not quitting to go somewhere else. He's not accepting a job at a higher profile company. He's not leaving for a bigger paycheck. He is retiring. And I think that's, I think that's pretty good. He's put his time in, uh, his last day will be April 15th, 2019. Uh, and then here's part of the statement by Reggie himself. There's a video to go along with it. We're not going to watch it, but here's basically the parts. Uh, Nintendo owns a part of my heart forever, Fizeme said in a statement. It's a part that's filled with gratitude for the incredibly talented people I've worked with, for the opportunity to represent such a wonderful brand, and most of all, to feel like a member of the world's most positive and enduring gamer community. As I look forward to departing in both good health, good humor, this is not game over for me, but instead leveling up to more time with my wife, family, and friends, end quote. And that's pretty cool. Um, you know, Reggie is someone who, I hope he's okay with me calling him Reggie. He's someone who was a very, he, he was a very um, out in front sort of president. And he, he, he had a certain tone when he spoke. Like, I don't want to say he was overly charismatic, but he was, you know, like he, he didn't talk like me. He didn't talk like over animated, but he talked very professionally and he, and he got his point across. And I, I always liked that. You know, I always liked that about him was you knew what you were getting when he was going to tell you something, you knew what kind of announcement was going to come. And, and he had an uncanny ability to spin. And so you'd have something along the lines of, you know, Oh, the, the switch doesn't have a ton of great software coming out this year. Like they did the first year they did the yearly thing. And then the next year, the, the releases were more spread out. And then you had, uh, you know, Reggie would say something like we've taken time off of multiple releases to focus on our most important franchises. Like, I mean, that's a really nice way of saying we have less games coming out. <laughs> and, uh, but he had a way about him with that. And, and he had a believability to it. Like I felt like he believed that. And, um, you know, and there's a, he, he always felt genuine to me. Uh, and, and there's a couple reasons why I think that's really interesting. Uh, and that's because it, it's, it's a very different dynamic in a company where you're in charge of the U.S. branch. You're in charge of the American division in a, in a wholly owned Japanese company that quite frankly doesn't take a lot of input from its Nintendo America partners. And so he was in this strange position where he had to take everything that was given to him and try to put that spin on it. Or he, he had to sell it to us. He was given a, 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 uh, like a, a rotten egg and he had to turn that into a sweet treat for us, you know, and which, you know, Nintendo, much like Apple has bred a very loyal fan base. And, and so they're, they're willing to give you more leeway when it comes to that. But it is something that, you know, it's, he was still able to do, and he was able to, to turn things around and, and, and kind of send a, a message. And so you, you have that dynamic, which is, which is very difficult. I'm sure for someone who really doesn't have a lot of decision-making power, um, is given something that he has to work with. Uh, Reggie came into the company at an interesting time as well, because he came into the company. I don't know if this has the dates on it or not. Um, but I want to say it was after the, Wii had launched, and so he came into the company during the Wii and DS, 
when the company was riding its like greatest moments. And so he came into that, like he, he was thrust into a position of massive success. And then it says, okay, well, how do we maintain this success? How do we push this forward? And I think the Wii was marketed very well in the U.S. Uh, it, it hit a whole new subset of gamers that we didn't know existed. In fact, I would argue it hit the non-gamers more than hit the gamers. So it hit your your moms, your grandmas, your little kids. Uh, it, it hit people that weren't in the gaming cycle. And that was interesting because it showed the power of the outsiders to our industry and it showed it showed that there are power in numbers of people that don't play games right now that's why the mobile market's so big and people want to talk about well mobile's not real gaming well first of all that's that's nonsense it is but secondly like look at who that taps into it taps into a whole new subset of people that you wouldn't have normally associated with being gamers and so that was something that he came into nintendo at a time when they were arguably they're most successful since the Nintendo and the Super Nintendo. And so he's riding this wave. He comes in and then he's given the Wii U, which arguably is one of Nintendo's lowest points in their company where they had a great handheld system that was going to carry that company through any situation. But there were massive losses when, uh, when the Wii U was Nintendo's new console. And the Wii U in general was a miss. And I don't think anything that the that the U.S. side could have done to fix that. There wasn't a lot of marketing you could do to fix that. I will admit, I think that when the Wii U was announced, that was a little bit of a flub. If you remember at E3 when it was announced, when it was coming out, they only showed the tablet. And they called it the Wii U, and it was this tablet. And and so I remember even, you know, I remember thinking... Oh, is it like an add-on for the Wii? So it's like a, it's an additional thing that adds interactivity to the your already Wii console. Because I want to say the Wii U came out had to be 2012. I feel 2012. Is that right? You know, let me double check that. Let's let's get on this right away. Let's get on. Let's 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 do a little bit of <laughs> let's do a little off script here. Uh, the Wii U. Yep, 2012. So the Wii U came out in 2012 which was six years after, is that right? 2006 was the Wii. The Wii and the PS3 were 2006. And so six years later, they came out with their console. And unfortunately, it was trying to reach the high-def gamers they missed with the Wii generation. They're saying, hey, it's got HDMI out. Like, it, it can do good. It's more powerful. It's, you know, it was like two Wiis duct taped together which the Wii was like three game cubes duct taped together so it's six game cubes duct taped together and uh and and so it was more powerful it could do the HD graphics but really all it could do was everything that the PS3 and 360 were doing which would have been fine in 2009 not fine in 2012 when you had the new consoles on the horizon you had your PS3 or your, excuse me, your PS4 and your Xbox One right around the corner, which we're going to take it one step further. And so the Wii U was a general failure, uh, and which is unfortunate because there were good games for it. But I, I said this before too, and this isn't meant to sound arrogant, but I remember when they announced the Wii U and I saw the tablet, I said that. I said, is this an add-on for the Wii? They didn't show anything else. They only showed the tablet. And then the next day they finally showed like, oh no, there's a console. It's a whole new console. And I remember thinking to myself, man, if I didn't pick up on that, if, if I didn't catch that, the average game consumer, especially the average Wii fan, is just going to it's gonna go right over their head. They're not going to get it. And so there's a, it, it, was, it was just a, a failure, unfortunately. And, and it's, it's sad to say because I actually thought the Wii U was kind of a cool system. And I, I do like mine, and, and I think it's fine enough. Um, but it, it wasn't successful. So Reggie had to live through that. So while he came into Nintendo at the height of their popularity he then saw them at essentially their lowest since he was at the company. And Jordan on the Dropcast last night made a really good point that in many companies, Reggie would have been kicked out the door at that point, having something launch so terribly and fail so spectacularly. But one, Nintendo's not like most other companies, but two, it wasn't really his fault. And I think that Nintendo knew that. I mean, they knew that he was given a crap sandwich you know, and was like, here, turn this into something, you know? And he, I mean, even Nintendo, it's not like the Wii U did great in Japan and then failed in the U S it failed worldwide to, to, to gain traction. And it got stuck in that awful loop, which 
haunts many, many game consoles is that you make it, you don't have any good games for it. And then if it doesn't sell, then other companies don't make games for it because it's not selling. And then people don't buy it because there's no games. It's that, it's that wicked unending cycle. You have to somehow break out of, and some companies are lucky. The, the, Sony broke out of it with the PS3. They, they were stuck in that rut for a good year or two. They broke out because they have a bunch of great internal studios. They they had new IPs made. Like, they, they had a plan. You know, um, the Wii U, their plan was, let's move on. Like, they had already been thinking to the future after that. And really, the Switch is what the Wii U wanted to be but wasn't there yet. And so they were like, you know what, let's just move on. Let's just move on. Unfortunately, they burned a lot of fans in the process which is unfortunate because the switch is a great console and i know both both my employees both my full-time managers don't want to buy a switch because they're burned by nintendo with the wii and the wii u and while i think that's silly because you're you're missing out on great uh great games and opportunities it it, it is something that um you know that uh is is fair for them to feel that way and, and so anyway when we get back to it here um we had another quote from uh, Nintendo president, uh, Shintaro Furukawa, he said, quote, inside and outside our company, Reggie is known as an exceptional leader. We are grateful that he is leaving the business in good shape with strong momentum. While we miss him and we wish him the very best in his retirement, we are also pleased to have such an able successor ready to step into that role. Doug Bowser and the rest of the team will ensure a seamless transition and continued momentum for Nintendo, end quote. I mean... Let's get the obvious joke out of the way. The dude replacing Reggie's last name is literally Bowser. <laughs> I mean, it's fantastic, man. I, I think that's great. Um, I don't think we need to over memeify it, though. Internet, like you can, you can, you can chuckle at it and then let it go. It's not something that needs to be like made. And 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 it was funny because Doug Bowser, you know, in his in his video. Uh, comment that he made like his video statement he has like you can look in the background there's like a nintendo controller that's got like luigi and mario tied up in the background like he's in on the joke and he gets it and i think that's great you gotta love stuff like that because that's something he'll never live down f uh, you know for this time now if nintendo has some sort of monumental flop in the next few years expect to hear all the stupid references to bowser and and uh he's working from within to destroy the company he secretly hates us you know if he does decisions that people don't agree with and yada yada now that's silly um but i think it's funny and i think it's totally cool uh that uh that he has a name that is literally the name of the most villainous nintendo character um so you know i, I i'm not one to lament CEOs and presidents and, and important people in, in corporate culture. I just feel like oftentimes it's time for someone to move on. Um, I, while I totally respect Reggie fils I think it's, you know, he did a good job. He gets to leave on a high note, which is excellent. A lot of people don't get to choose their own path. Don't get to leave when they want to. And, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for him. He always seemed like a genuine person. Uh, I, I never got to meet him. Uh, I, uh, I went to a few conferences and stuff and he was there, but I never really got to, uh, got close enough to chat with him, but I liked his, he was always very sincere, but also again, professional. And I always respected that about him. You know, he had, he had the corporate speak, but it, it, he at least gave it to you in a way where you felt like he actually believed it and cared about that message. And while he was always able to spin, he never used his powers for evil. You know, I felt he was always just trying to be positive about his and Nintendo's products that they wanted to offer to the fans. All right, let's see what else we got next here. Uh, let's go into Arena Net. Let's do this. So, all right, <clears throat> let's get let's get me a let's get me a solid start here, everybody. Um, all right, here we go. So next on the podcast, we want to talk about ArenaNet, the developer of Guild Wars 2, uh, planning for massive layoffs. This was another story <laughs> broken by Jason Schreier. Dude's killing it like always, getting them scoops. Uh, and unfortunately, this is another one about studio layoffs. So ArenaNet, uh, it says right here, their most popular online games, Guild Wars and Guild Wars 2. Uh, they informed employees today that it is planning big layoffs. Uh, they did not give out exact numbers and they are yet to be finalized, but rumors floating around the studio signal that a significant number of people will be let go. Rumor has it about 25% of the workforce or over a hundred people. Now, when we heard about Activision Blizzard cutting, 
we heard it was going to be over 100 people and it ended up being 800. Now, that's a much larger company, but, you know, you never know until you know. Um, so uh, Song Yi Yoon, the CEO of Korean publisher NCSoft West, which owns ArenaNet, emailed employees this afternoon with the news. Quote, our live game business revenue is declining as our franchises age. Delays in development on PC and mobile have created further drains against our revenue projects. While our operating costs in the West have increased... We are where we are is not sustainable and is not going to set us up for future success. End quote. So let's break that statement down a little bit. Our live game business revenue is declining as our franchises age. Well, that's a really good point. So their last project was a Guild Wars expansion that came out in the fall of 2017. So that was like their last release. And not that they haven't been doing updates to the game, I'm not saying that. But Guild Wars 2. If you've never played Guild Wars or Guild Wars 2, those were MMOs that didn't have a monthly fee. And at the time of Guild Wars, that was unheard of. If you had a game like WoW, Final Fantasy, Champions uh, Champions Online, City Heroes, all these games had you buy the game and you pay $15 a month. Well, Guild Wars said you buy the game and we're not going to charge you a monthly subscription fee. You can keep playing. We're just going to release content updates and more stuff like that. And, and so, unfortunately, as their games have aged, they don't have that subscription revenue to fall back on. They don't, I mean, like, you know, and if they don't release a new product, they're not bringing in any new money. And so, I mean, and not that they're not doing things like they do sell mounts and they sell uh, cosmetic items. And so they certainly do that. But it, it is something that, you know, they they don't have a new product to, to bring in new revenue. And, and unfortunately, these layoffs have also um, come along with canceled projects which sucks um, because who knows one of them might have been an expansion pack for that. So then they go on to say, uh, she goes on to say delays in development on PC and mobile have created further drains against our revenue projects. So maybe there was a guild wars three in development or another guild wars two expansion. And that because it gets delayed or because it's not ready to be released, it's just draining money and they don't have, again, they don't have guild wars one and two subscription models to keep it going. Um, and uh, while our operating costs in the West have increased, we are where we are is not sustainable. So they're saying that the operating costs have kept going up, but they're not releasing new products to offset those costs. And they're not generating revenue in such a way where they can keep it up. So it's essentially they need to trim down and refocus, kind of like what I talked about with Mike on the Serial at Night podcast we did last week when we talked about the business side of this, is that they, they're looking at this long term and saying, you know, yeah, it sucks to lay off people, but if we keep running like this, we're going to close the whole studio down. And then 400 people lose their jobs. Do you want to cut 100 people now, or do you want to cut 400 people in two years? You know, I mean, it's just how it goes. Now, the only thing I get a little bit of flack about is that just uh, after the Activision Blizzard layoffs... And again, they didn't know. But after the Activision Blizzard laughs, ArenaNet gave their condolences and said, apply with us. <laughs> so they were looking for people even right up until this memo came down. And um, so Yoon added that the company plans to, quote, cut costs across the organization, end quote, and restructure across the board, merging ArenaNet and NCSoft's publishing divisions in the process. Quote, the restructuring, cost-cutting, and strategic realignments are all being done to secure our tomorrow and to provide the foundation that will allow us to grow and acquire, end quote. Uh, and then this was yesterday, this news broke. It said, later this afternoon, ArenaNet CEO Mike O'Brien plans to meet with staff to discuss the layoffs further. Uh, and so then I want to say there was an update update this was the, uh, yesterday evening arena net management addressed employees directly in two meetings this afternoon according to people who were there there's still no word on how many people will be laid off and most employees are still in limbo as they wait to find out if they'll be affected although some who worked on canceled projects say they're presuming they'll be laid off and are making preparations accordingly uh here's a nice little footnote arena net told employees it will be giving out severance of two months to anyone losing their jobs as well as bonus time based on tenure with the company so and, and that's pretty common you know, it's not like the whole company's closing. And that's why I think when, like, you know, when um, I'm totally spacing now on the name, but the Walking Dead creators, you know, when, when that studio, uh, Telltale, when Telltale went under, there was no money left. Like, and so, yes, does it suck that those employees got, got screwed? And that you could tell they were racing out the clock. They thought, if we can get the final season out, generate some money, it'll, we'll, we'll be okay. 
and and they were racing that and they lost they lost that 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 time battle they lost that race but there was no money to give out to anybody you know it's not like the the ceo was like oh i gotta let everyone go and then you know bought a private island for 10 billion dollars like that company closed uh and and it sucks and it sucks for everybody now here arena net's not closing and they're taking care of the people they're laying off so I think it's good to uh, recognize, appreciate, and applaud that. And I think that uh, because if you remember the last time we talked about ArenaNet was when uh, I forget her name uh, at the moment, but someone had left claiming she was fired because she had uh, basically on Twitter she had like really laid into somebody about uh, not telling her how to do her job or something. And it was it was kind of we did a story on I don't remember her name. Um, and, uh, so we did a story on that and, uh, and that was kind of last time we talked about arena net and, uh, and even O'Brien, you know, they, I think in that article, she had claimed he was, you know, he would cared more about, uh, something else or something. I don't, this is unimportant. It doesn't matter. It's an old story from last year. Who cares? Don't need to bring it back up. But, um, there, now there are some other cost cutting happening at NCSoft last September. NCSoft shut down Wildstar developer Carbine Studios. They actually shut the whole game off. So Wildstar was toast. Earlier this year, it began plans to reduce staff at the mobile studio Iron Tiger. Uh, in its financial earnings call earlier this week, NCSoft reported an annual decline in PC revenue. Um, so, yeah, that really sucks. I mean, you never want to hear about people losing their job. And uh, I and I'll be honest, though, I haven't heard like I haven't heard nasty things about ArenaNet with this. Like, I'm not hearing, you know, like like when Activision Blizzard laid off people. You know, we're not hearing it's that bad. The only thing I'm really hearing that's negative is seemingly that people still don't know if they're being laid off. And so it, the story broke late last week when the email went out. People are having meetings yesterday but still don't know if they're laid off. I mean, that's that's like a whole week of stress and turmoil, and that's tough, you know. And, and, and um, I don't know, that, that that's really tough. That's all I'm going to say about that. And and so hopefully ArenaNet can, you know, cut some costs, get their stuff figured out and then become successful again because then they can start hiring again and they can get past this whole sort of, um, you know, trap that they're in of, of slowly hemorrhaging money as opposed to where they need to tighten things up and, uh, and be profitable again. Um, all right. And then finally, we're going to talk about this devotion game being removed from steam, but my nose is really itchy. I don't know why I hate that. It's like really dry in my house. I have to itch my nose. And I swear when I'm doing like a video and if I'm itching my nose all the time, people think I'm just like doing Coke. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, <laughs> I just can't breathe. My nose itches so damn bad. Ah, get like a wet towel on my face. Uh, almost done. That's okay. <laughs> almost done. Um, okay, so I want to get to this story, but I got to find a comment on Reddit first because there's someone from China who, who who did a really good breakdown of this. And there's some really weird stuff here. Like, there's a lot of mis, uh, misinformation here. Um, let's see if I can find this, uh, this comment. It was a great comment by someone who lives in China. Um, apparently, the game's really good. Jordan loves it. Um, okay, yeah, here's the, here's the comment. I'm going to read through that as part of this as well. So let me close these out, and then uh, we'll get to our final story of the day. And uh, here we go. So lastly on the podcast today, we want to talk about a Chinese, uh, excuse me, a Taiwanese-made horror game called Devotion being removed from Steam. And so that happens every now and then for various reasons. Either a game's deemed offensive or uh, a company goes out of business or a publisher cancels the somethings or something. And, uh, and so that happens. Uh, this story, though, caught my attention because it's a little strange when it comes to why it was canceled or what's all going on. Plus, there's a whole lot of misinformation. And I talked to Jordan a little bit about it last night on the Dropcast. And so when I started diving in, I mean, there's really a lot here. And so you heard me when I corrected myself at the beginning of the video because and, and it's quite an important distinction. So if you don't know, um, Taiwan is an island located off of the off the Chinese mainland. And for many years, there has been an issue between mainland and Taiwan. And, and I'll be honest, I don't know if I can go into the entire thing because I could do a whole podcast on on the relationship there. But let's say, for instance, Hawaii, which is a state in the United States, it's Hawaii, USA. That's that's how you'd say that. You would say Taiwan, China, 
as as it's a part of China. Now imagine that Hawaii for many years, many decades has basically said they don't like the US, they don't like the president, they don't want to be a part of the US. And so then you'd have a bunch of people in the US saying like, "Well, we don't we don't want Hawaii either then, you know. We don't want them here if they're not going to do this whatever." And there's always been the the threat of splitting off into their own country and that's something that china is very much against they don't want to lose any um they don't want to lose any land they don't want to lose any any influence and so that's always been kind of a thing so the company that made this game is comprised completely now of taiwanese developers and so what happened was some people were playing the game and found a let's see if they have a picture of it here. I don't think they do, uh, but it uh, <laughs> they uh, they had a poster referencing the president of China, uh, Xi Jinping, and Winnie the Pooh. And apparently, there's a meme that goes way back, which was President Obama walking with uh, President Jinping, and they side by side, they're walking. And then someone put side by side, a picture of Winnie the Pooh and Tigger <laughs> because like the body shapes are the same, you know, whatever. Uh, apparently that became a thing where he was often compared to Winnie the Pooh so much so that apparently the, the Winnie the Pooh film, Christopher Robin was banned in China <laughs> so, <laughs> because of the references. Uh, so, that's weird, you know? Um, so then uh, they someone in this in the game put some sort of poster that said something about, like, you know, a scroll next to the word moron, and it mentioned him and Winnie the Pooh. So it's offensive. So the early stories start coming out where it's China found something offensive in this game. China had the game removed from Steam. So let's cut that out here right now. Did China have this game? Did the Chinese government have this game removed from Steam? No, that's not what happened. Did Steam remove the game from pressure from the Chinese government? No, that did not happen either. Um, now, part of the reason that second point gets brought up is because Steam recently launched in China. And um, clearly, Valve can make a lot of money in China with Dota players and with other gamers uh, that want to use that service. So is it feasible to think that Valve would want to not piss off the Chinese government? Yes, that's very feasible. Is that what happened? No. So let's keep on digging. Um, because part of what's happening now is the game is getting completely review bombed. And if you've never heard me talk about this before, review bombs are when something in a game or a company does something that people don't like, they go to that game's page and they just start giving it bad reviews. Now, on Steam, you have to own the game to give a game a review, but everyone either buys the game, gives it a bad review, or everyone who bought the game goes there to give it a bad review. Now, is it possible that the Chinese government has paid people to leave bad reviews? Absolutely. I mean, we see that in, in U.S. politics and in uh, U.S. Um, technology companies. They have no problem like manipulating uh, things like this. So is that possible? Yes. In fact, I do believe with the sheer amount that it is. But it's the game itself was actually removed by the developers. So the developers took it down. And this is also kind of strange because apparently that the, the controversy, it was found in the game after it was already taken out. So some of the, like some of the early, like early access or some of the early footage, like maybe review copies or something had gone out that had these posters in the game. They were removed before the game even released. But as people were going through videos, Chinese players noticed it, took offense to it and kind of, uh, and it became a much bigger issue. So then it got review bombed and a lot of the review bombs weren't saying what happened. They were just saying that something bad happened. It was kind of strange. It said, love the game, but you should not have done this thumbs down and really weird stuff like that. Now. Um, so we have the one side where people think that the Chinese government could step in and ban a game, which they could do, but they didn't do it. Um, Steam could remove the game from pressure from the Chinese government because they don't want to lose their, their working relationship and the millions of dollars they'll make in the process. That didn't happen. The developers removed it, but why did the developers remove it? So the developers claim, uh, let's see here. 
uh, where is it? Uh, I know they talk about why. The, the reason they took it down, they claim, is because it has crashes and bugs that need to be addressed. <laughs> um, nah, I don't think that's it. I'm not buying that uh, for a second. Um, however, here's what they did describe about how those images ended up in the game. Quote, when making the prototype, the team often referred to the then-known internet slang as placeholder. However, due to the version synchronizing problem, not all of the placeholders were deleted properly. This is purely an accident, and we have no intention of causing harm nor hatred. The art material has been taken down and replaced at the evening of February 21st. In a post the next day, Red Candle further explained that one developer created the art asset, and the rest of the team was busy working on one's own task while chasing the deadline. So they're saying it was kind of a rogue um, artist did this. Which is why Winnie the Pooh made it into the game in the first place. The developer further said that the words written on the art material does not stand for Red Candle Games stance, nor is it in any ways related to Devotion's story and theme. Red Candle went on to note that its partnership with Devotion's publisher has been terminated over the controversy, leaving the developer on the hook to compensate the relevant loss based on the contract. So now, is it possible that that publisher dropped them because they don't want to have anything to do with a company that is poking the Chinese government. Yes, I could see that. I mean, that makes total sense. And maybe they had to pull the game down from steam because they have to take out references to publishers and they have to tweak the game, put it back up. Maybe they have to apply for their own publishing on steam rights and they have to get that approved because maybe the publisher did that before. There's a lot of reasons why they could have brought it down. Although, like I said, they're claiming it's to fix bugs. And, and I think that's really disingenuous. I don't, uh, I don't think that's, very true at all. Um, so what I do want to bring up, though, and, and you got to take this with a grain of salt because you never know. It's the Internet. But on the Reddit thread, uh, someone came in and, and had this to say, and, and I found this really interesting. So uh, we're going to go through this whole thing. So bear with me here. Um, it's the user PZKPFW-6 uh, Roman numeral. I am a Chinese player, and unfortunately, most media are misleading the whole event while the game is banned in China region. Therefore, we cannot comment in Steam anymore, so that not many Chinese players can tell you the true reason why the game is banned. No, it's not because of a meme. It's not that simple. So it's not just because of the Winnie Pooh thing. Here we go. First of all, the game is so damn good. Really hope Red Candle can produce sequels despite the political factors. We would really like to see the stories about Mimi if still possible. Games are games and supposed to be innocent like... Mi Jin. I don't know what that means. Uh, the Winnie meme did not anger the Chinese players by itself, which is stated as the only reason in most media as of today. In fact, we often make jokes about this meme as well, and I don't believe most Chinese players would be simply burned up due to a simple funny meme about the president to go against a devotion game. In fact, there was another game talking about content censorship in China on Steam called The Wall. The game was also banned by the government, but no one gave any negative reviews regarding the topic. There are four characters around the meme words that seem not very clear in the Fulu. The pronunciation of these in Minnan dialect, which native Taiwanese speak, translates to English is, your mother is idiot. Therefore, the whole, the whole Fulu is actually swearing about the president of PRC rather than meme. Uh, this is not just enough. Recall that back to when Red Candle released their first game, Detention. Mainland China players liked the game and described it as a Chinese game with proud. I think he means with pride, but that's okay. Now, if you've ever heard the story behind PRC, Mainland China, and ROC, Taiwan, it's the People's Republic of China, by the way, and the Republic of China, you may notice that almost all mainland China players regard Taiwan as a part of China, while some but not all Taiwanese people refuse to accept this statement. So what they're saying there is that all people on mainland China think of Taiwan as part of China. Most people in Taiwan don't like to think of themselves as being part of China. Uh, Red Candle appears to be people who belong to the latter, apparently so they seem to be unhappy for calling their production a Chinese game. Not only that they concealed the swearing in the Fulu, an ancient Chinese character that people can rarely find, but also referring and quipping to the Chinese game in an inconspicuous newspaper in the game to express they do not like the title, along with further mapping to the president of PRC. Um, so again, what they're talking about is they're putting more of a dig that they didn't want to be have this be called a Chinese game. They wanted this to be known as a Taiwanese game. Again, going back to what we talked about earlier about the friction between Taiwan and mainland China. 
And so the, the studio, whoever made this, didn't just make a, a, a meme about Winnie the Pooh and the president of China. They also were basically taking cracks at the fact that this was not a Chinese game. It's a Taiwanese game. It's a, it's a, it's a pride thing for them. Um, and then he goes on to say, the publisher Viking Games seemed had spent a lot in marketing the game in mainland China. Chinese fans had waited the release of Devotion for a long time. The game was actually beloved by the Chinese community during the first two days after the release, the top entries in many social media. When mainland China players discovered those Easter eggs, it was regarded as a big slam of those who liked and supported Red Candle for a long time, not to mention the conflict between the supporters and resistors of the Unify. This is regarded as equivalent to saying those who purchase our game are indeed idiots to mainland China players. Then the rejections and refunds started. Hope this clarifies the whole story about the storm for you. So that's really, really interesting to hear from someone. And again, you take it with a grain of salt because that could just be some 12-year-old American kid making all this stuff up. It sounded legitimate to me, though. And so what that person's, again, to recap, what that person's trying to say is that Red Candle seemed to be proud that they was made in Taiwan. They don't like to think of themselves as a Chinese company. So when people had referenced it, that a, a well-made Chinese game in their first game, they were taking a dig at that and saying, well, people in China who like this game are idiots. And so that is why it's getting review bombed. Now, again, is it possible that the Chinese government is paying companies to give it further review bombs? Yeah, that's pretty possible. Uh, is that the case? I don't think so. Um, but an interesting story, apparently it's going to come back. So I don't know what it's going to take to have to come back. I don't know if, again, it's going to have to come down. They're going to have to remove all the publisher information. They have to republish under a new name, under their own publishing studio, whatever they have to do. Um, apparently the game's great. Jordan has a playthrough up there. Definitely check it out on the Drop Rate channel uh, if you're interested in it. Apparently it's like a PT-inspired horror game, so it's it's walking simulator but uh, with good good horror and good jump scares. Um, so definitely worth playing. Jordan loved it. He, he wouldn't stop talking about it last night. So definitely check it out. Uh, and hopefully it comes back. And and he, he actually made a funny comment, Jordan did. He said, it'd be really cool if it came back because he wants more people to play it. But it'd be also really cool if it never came back and he'd be one of the few people that did get to play it. And I was like, well, yeah. So it was funny how he was, he was torn on that. But um, very, very interesting stuff uh, about, uh, about that. Now, the last thing I'm going to say about that is when, you know, a lot of people in, in America will talk about freedom of speech. You know, true freedom of speech in our country means you cannot be prosecuted by the government for things you say. In a country like this, could you imagine living in a country where the government could just take your game down because they didn't like what you said in it? And it's not for some reason like, oh, you know, Steam could remove the game because uh, it had a whole bunch of ridiculous nudity and murder in it, but just a game because you put a meme up of the president of the United States. And that the government could step in and say, you're out. We're taking that game away. That's scary stuff. And I think that's why you see a lot of pushback on things like regulating loot boxes and regulating things. Because you don't want the government regulating things. The more that just gives them an inch and an inch and an inch. And then eventually, they just have the power to take away everything. All right. And so that is the podcast. Ah, my itchy nose. My God, this is killing me. It was like it was like on that last segment there. I'm trying to finish out without rubbing my nose for the ten thousandth time, and I'm just like, gotta make it, gotta make it. <laughs> Don't rub your nose. And it was it was like the most intense itching I've ever had. It's so stupid and weird. Um, all right, so game of the week picked it ahead of time again, suckers. Haha, <laughs> you thought I forgot? No, no, not Greggy, not old Greggy. He don't forget. That's not true. I forget things all the time. In fact, I am horrific about forgetting things. So the game we're gonna talk about this week is The Adventures of Batman and Robin for the Sega Genesis. Now, this was an interesting time during the console wars, the 16-bit era, when you'd often have two games that uh, were the same name. There's an, uh, there's a Batman, there's the animated Batman game for Super Nintendo, and then there's The Adventures of Batman and Robin, which is based off the animated cartoon for the Sega Genesis. The two games could not be any different. Um, the Adventures, uh, the, the Super Nintendo one, is a single-player side-scrolling adventure game. Very difficult, but fun. Has that Super Nintendo music and and like engine you'd expect. Very cool. Very good game. I have it in my collection as well, and I have it complete in the box. It's kind of a rare one for Super Nintendo too. Very good game. Check it out. However, we're going to talk about the Sega Genesis one today because the Genesis one is two-player. And when I was growing up, I had two brothers and a sister, and like 
you only played multiplayer games or you didn't play games <laughs> because if it was a single player game, then I wasn't the oldest. So I wasn't going to be playing, but, uh, adventures of Batman and Robin for the Sega Genesis. The best I can describe it is it plays like Contra. And I know everyone's f- curling their eyebrows or furling their bros or whatever you say. It, it, it plays like Contra. You have an infinite throwing weapon that you shoot, which is essentially a gun, but you're just like throwing like ninja stars. And, uh, and you go through levels, you fight bosses. There's uh, usually most stages have two layers. So there's like a, imagine like a balcony and a bottom floor. And so the balcony, you can hit like up and jump and you like jump up to the top part and you can shoot stuff. You can just shoot up, down, left, right. Uh, and then you can like hit down and jump and you'll, you'll fall back down to the basement level side scroller, um, hand drawn, uh, obviously sprite based looks very good. Stylistically. It looks just like the cartoon and it's really good. Um, had all of the, uh, uh, you know, had all of the, um, you know, the villains you recognize from the show. Like if you've never watched the Batman animated show, like you gotta do it. It's it, um, the only downside to that show is it started the stupid minimalistic style of all the garbage cartoons we have today, but it's an excellent, excellent, excellent cartoon. And it wasn't done in a cheap way. It, it looked minimalistic, but it wasn't made cheap. Nowadays they go for minimalistic style and they make them cheap. So they're like double cheap. Uh, but the game's very, very good. The Adventures of Batman and Robin for the Sega Genesis. Loose cartridge should run you about 15 bucks. Complete in the box, probably closer to 40 if it's in good shape, something like that. Very, very good, though. Adventures of Batman and Robin, Sega Genesis. Play it. All right, everybody. That is the podcast for today. Uh, thank you, everybody, for always for listening and watching. If you're listening to this on iTunes or on SoundCloud, if you go to YouTube and you can subscribe to our YouTube channel, we're almost at 4,100 subs, so we just keep cranking. Um, well, would love a sub if you go to youtube.com slash drop rate, or if you just go in the search bar and type in the drop rate, uh, look for the channel with the gray and yellow DR logo. You'll find us on there. Uh, if you're listening to this on SoundCloud or on YouTube and you want to subscribe on iTunes, Go to the podcast app in iTunes and look for Game Talk Radio. That's that's what we call the podcast here, Game Talk Radio. Look for a Mega Man sprite wearing a black shirt with a red and green logo. That's uh, that's that's my Game Trade shirt. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Game Trade Greg, and uh, I tweet about the cool stuff I get in at the store, and I tweet about game industry news and stuff. So you get a little bit of both. Hit us up there. Um, would, would love private message me anytime. Follow private message. Um, send me a tweet, tweet at me, whatever, uh, questions. If you ever want to have a question for me to answer on the show, I'd love to do that. Uh, and I want to get to the point where uh, we start doing that on the regular. So thank you again, everyone for always listening, watching. Uh, I'll keep making videos if you guys keep watching them and I'll keep making podcasts. We all keep listening. So thank you very much as always have a great day. Drive safe this week. If you're in Wisconsin, take care. We'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>